0: Yes, God, we declare you are faithful. Lord, you have been faithful. You are faithful. You will be faithful. That's who you are. We declare your faithfulness to us, God. You have helped us. You have blessed us. You have been with us, God. You've answered our prayers. You've heard our cries. You have been with us in our sufferings, God. So we bless you today. We declare your faithfulness is great, Lord Jesus greater than anything in our lives, greater than any challenge that we face. We bless you, Lord. We honor you, God. It's our honor. It's our privilege to be yours. We pray today that we would hear you again, that we will respond to you in faithfulness as you have responded to us in faithfulness. Thank you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, We are going to be continuing uh, in this series, as Carl said, on being a house of prayer individually and corporately. We want to be those people who cry out to God, who intercede with the Holy Spirit uh, to see God's purpose and passion accomplished in our lives, in our families, in this church, in our community, in the nations of the earth. And as we've been uh, going through uh, this series, uh, we, from time to time, have been sharing testimonies because that encourages us, that builds our faith, that gives us hope uh, in our place of prayer. Uh, Recently, I was talking with my wife, and uh, she shared a story. Uh, uh, She has a group of ladies in our life group, uh, and they meet each week for discipleship, and uh, they pray for each other. And uh, one uh, week, uh, one of the ladies uh, had a specific prayer request for her daughter. And this daughter had completed college and graduate school and even a doctoral program and had moved back home and was, had gotten her professional career started, but, but she was longing for a relationship. She wanted to meet that special person uh, for her life. And her, this mom and, and the father have been praying for years for that, but it just hadn't happened yet. And they've been praying for a long time. And so she asked the ladies group and Tanya, would y'all just agree with us uh, for our daughter. Uh, and then that mom came back the very next week. She said, y'all, guess what? Uh, she met somebody. And that and enough was a, uh, was a cause for excitement. But then she began to tell more of the story. Uh, this uh, particular uh, mom and dad had moved uh, to Waco uh, from San Diego, California, And this young man that their daughter met was also from San Diego, California. Matter of fact, they found out they only live like a few blocks from each other. Uh, This family, uh, this mom and and, and dad that I'm referring to, uh, they're both retired military veterans and and actually serve in our local VA right here in Waco. And and this young man's family, Uh, was uh, in the military, served in the VA, found out this mom and this young man's uh, dad worked like three offices from each other. Okay, and and if that's not enough coincidences for you, another prayer uh, that this mom and dad had, they prayed, whoever our daughter meets, we want him to have a heart for special needs children because they have this one daughter that has her doctor, but they have another child that was special needs from birth and they're gonna be taking care of her for the rest of her life. And they said, we want whoever she ends up being, we, we want that man to have a heart for special needs children. And so they're from the same place and they both are in the military. He's a Christian young man and he also has a brother who is a special needs child. Isn't God good? Now, they've only been on two dates, so I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too, you know. But it was certainly encouraging. I was encouraged. And Tanya said the ladies just had this juicy conversation about how this girl met this handsome young man. So there's just lots of benefits in that. Basically, I share that because that's an example, that's a model of what Carl referred to. We call prayer, our definition, union, communion, and partnership. God wants us to have union with him through praise and worship and thanksgiving. He wants us to have communion with him as we walk and talk with him throughout our daily lives. And he wants us to partner with him to see his plans come to pass in our lives. And throughout this series, he's been giving us a tool from the Bible, the Lord's Prayer. That's our tool to have this union, communion, and partnership. And so again, we're going to read that again uh, this morning, just as we have uh, been doing from each week. And and after we finish that, then we're going to actually enter into a time of praying through the Lord's Prayer. So if you had your devotion this morning, you get a double dip today. But if you to didn't get any time with Jesus before you got to church this morning, no worries we got you covered. Okay, so let's stand and we're going to say our uh, Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, but as you sit, we want you to take your seat in that attitude of prayer. We're going to take a few moments here. We're going to just pray through. The Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to read through each of the verses of this prayer and then I'm going to prompt you to a moment of prayer. So let's have some time here of union and communion and let's partner with God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And there at your seat, you can pray silently if you want to just. Uh, quietly verbalize your prayer, feel free to do that, but I want you to hallow the name of God. Whatever that means to you or a simple way of praying would just tell God all the good things you know about Him, His goodness, His grace, His blessings. Take a moment right now and pray, hallow the name of God. kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this prayer, we want to pray for the fulfillment of God's plans and purposes in our lives, in our families, in the church, in the nations. And so I just want you to take a moment and pray and ask God, Lord, your will, do your will in my life, do your will in my family, do your will every place in space. Take a moment and pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. The simplest part of the prayer. We, we know what we want. We know what we need. And God delights for us to bring them before him. He says, cast your cares on me. I care for you. And so whatever you have, whatever you came here today, needing, wanting, seeking God for it, take a moment and pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are prone to error. We are prone to sin. We make mistakes. We mess up. This is the time for us to be honest with God and just bring it before Him. Those things we shouldn't have done, those things we shouldn't have said, those places we should, whatever it may be, bring your things, bring it before God in honesty and in truth, asking forgiveness. Take a moment. Give us this day, for, Forgive us our trespasses. Pray that prayer. Now we're going to pray some more into this area of forgiving. This week, as I prepared, I felt like God uh, encouraged me to consider that there are people today, here in the auditorium, maybe watching by the stream, that people were going to come today with broken hearts. Psalms 147:3 says that He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. And so maybe you're here today and you're saying, yes, I'm broken hearted today. Maybe you're watching by the stream and you're saying, I'm wounded today. Well, I want you to know that God sees you. He knows you. And he says, I've come because I want to heal your broken heart. I want to bind up your wounds. And a part of that process, a part of that healing, a part of that binding up is forgiveness. It's to come to a place to forgive the one who wounded you. Come to a place to forgive the one who wounded you. That's not justifying what they did. That's not letting them off the hook. Actually, the forgiveness actually lets you off the hook. It allows a healing salve of God to come into your heart and your mind and your soul. So if you're here today, if you're watching by the stream and you identify with that brokenheartedness, that woundedness, then I want to ask you to, to take the courageous step to say, I forgive. Take a moment and pray forgiveness wherever that is appropriate in your life. not into temptation but deliver us from evil in this part of the prayer what I want you to do I want you to look at Jesus see Jesus go where he goes say what he says think what he thinks be a part of what he's being a part of Uh, we're not focusing on fighting the devil right now we're just focusing on Jesus we want to be with him and go with him that is our way of deliverance And so I just want you to take a minute and pray, Jesus, show me where you're going. Show me what you're doing. Help me be a part of whatever you are and wherever you are. Take a moment and pray. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And this last part of our prayer is actually going to be a song. We're going to sing this simple chorus, but this chorus is not just a song. It is our prayer. And so join with us as we sing this song of prayer to God. Worthy is your name, Jesus. the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Your name, worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. So, we're going to pray one last prayer. Prayer is a dialogue, it's not a monologue, it's not just us giving our wish list to God, though that's appropriate. Not us just telling God all our problems, though that's appropriate, but a dialogue is we talk back and forth. We talk and he listens. He talks and we listen. And so now we're going to take a moment. We've shared our cares, our concerns. We've put our hearts to him. But now let's take a second and listen. God may speak through his word. That's his primary way of speaking to us. God speaks through each other. Maybe God may remind you of something that a brother or sister has shared with you or encouraged you in. Well, sometimes he speaks through what the Bible calls that still small voice, that that prompting in our heart, that unction towards us. So take about just a few seconds and just listen. Say, God, what do you want to say to me in response to my prayers? Do that right now. Thank you, God. I, I hear you saying that you're on the right mark. Maybe that's for someone here. He's, you're on the right path. You, you're hitting the mark. You, you have doubts in your mind, but God is saying you're, you're on the right path. Just stay where you're at. Keep going. You're, on, you're headed towards me. Thank you, God, that we can hear you. Thank you, God, that you speak to your sheep. Thank you, God, we can respond to you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying. Thank you, Thomas, for leading us. Well, we're going to continue on this morning, as I said, in our prayer series. And so we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. And so I'm going to go back because we've been talking about this throughout the fall. And Jimmy started out way back early, maybe around September, explaining where this Lord's Prayer came from. And we talked about, he talked about how the disciples saw a big distinct difference between the way Jesus looked at life and the way Jesus dealt with problems and the way they were. You see, they had all kinds of concerns in their lives that were plaguing them. They were concerned about Rome occupying uh, Israel and Jerusalem. They were concerned about poverty amongst the people. They were concerned about uh, the Greek culture and of influence it was having on the Jewish faith. They were concerned uh, about uh, taxation and all these issues. They were concerned about how to fulfill the law of Moses. All of them were taught to live that from the time they were very young. And now Jesus is saying, hey, it's not about following the rules and regulations, it's about me. But they have these tensions between the leaders and so they've got all these issues that they're concerned with. But Jesus doesn't seem to be concerned. He doesn't seem to be overcome by these issues. Matter of fact, he seems to overcome all the challenges that they face. And so they looked at his life and said, you seem to handle problems way differently than we do. Teach us how to pray. Now. The way that applies to you and I is just like the disciples, we in this day, we have lots of things in our world to be concerned about. There's lots of social issues. There's lots of governmental issues. There's lots of economic crises. We all have lots of personal issues. But we find just like in the first century, now here in the 21st century, Jesus can respond way differently to problems than the way uh, we do. Matter of fact, uh, Psalms thirty-seven, thirteen says, "The Lord laughs at wickedness." I mean, we're we're freaking out. We got we got wickedness in our world. We got problems in our world. We got challenges in our world. He said, "God laughs at that." John sixteen, thirty-three says, "In this world, you will have problems, but be of good cheer. I have overcome." We can be stressed. We can be anxious. We can be depressed. He said, "Be of good cheer." And the reason why is because just like Jesus did with the disciples, they said, teach us to pray. And what he did was he taught them how to partner with him in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's what he did. And the same thing for us today, though we have many issues, personal, corporate, uh, national, international, we have lots of things we can be concerned about. He says, today I want to teach you to partner with me, have union and communion with me, and then partnership to see the things of heaven to become a part of earth. So his focus is there, and those heavenly kingdoms will then overcome and give us grace for the earthly situations that we live in. You see, this Lord's Prayer does two things. One, it's a request. We're asking God, we're seeking God, help us, oh Lord. But it's also an invitation. You see, uh, he invites us to be a part of this kingdom coming from heaven to earth. We're participants in it. And so because of that, it requires a certain type of prayer. We said, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're a part of that. We're asking God. He's saying, yes, I'm going to bring my kingdom, but I want you to be a part. So we're asking God, but he's also inviting us. And that requires a certain type of prayer that I want to talk about uh, this morning. And that prayer I call warfare prayer. Would you say that with me? They say, what is that? What in the world is that? Well, I'm going to say what that is in a moment. But first, I'm going to tell you why we need that. Now, like I said, God has invited us to be a part. He says, yes, my kingdom is coming. Yes, my will is going to be done on earth like it is in heaven, but you're gonna be a part of that. So what that means for you as a believer is you're not just a person who shows up at church on Sunday, okay? That that might be what we call a cultural Christian, okay? But we're believers, we're followers of Jesus. That means you don't just show up here and get uh, your spiritual tank filled, if you will. You don't just show up here, as some people will say, and get your shout on and go about your merry way. We are called to be a part of the kingdom of heaven coming from heaven to on earth. That means we're active participants in the very prayers that we pray. Okay? And because of that, that makes us actually vulnerable to our enemy who would oppose our prayers. We're God's spiritual arm, and let's think of it that way. And let me illustrate it by saying let's think in terms of like a physical arm. If army is at base camp, everybody is safe. No problems, no worries, right? But as soon as that unit engages its enemy, as soon as it moves to the battlefield, as soon as it engages a mission, now there's an opportunity for injury, there's an opportunity for casualty, there's an opportunity for trouble. Therefore, we are engaged in the kingdom of God coming. We are engaged with this mission of God. We're engaged with the plans and purpose of God happening here on earth, just like they are in heaven, which makes us vulnerable. Therefore, we need warfare prayer. Okay? Now, let me stop and say, because that term could put all kinds of thoughts in your head. Okay? you the warfare prayer. What in the world is he talking about? Okay, that might put a thought in your head. I hear people say things like this a lot. You hear something like warfare prayer or war, enemies, armies, all that kind of thing. Sometimes people have incidents happen in their life. For example, you might say, man, my washing machine and my car broke down in the same week. I must be under a spiritual attack. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you, you could be. You, you might, that, that could, that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily, it could be. But I want to submit something else to you. But before I say that, it's, I'm not saying absolutely that something physical is not. spiritual That's not what I mean. Uh, for example, uh, my wife and I, back in college, uh, she had a good friend of hers named Shannon. And one time when they went on a trip, I think it was to San Antonio back home, and Shannon started having some car problems. And so uh, Tanya, uh, the woman of God, she just comes from a very Godly family. And her mother, my mother-in-law, a very Godly woman, so they're having car problems, and Ms. Frazier lays hands on Shannon's car and prays over it, okay? And so Tanya's telling me about this, and I'm kind of like, I didn't say anything because, you know, I have great respect for my mother-in-law, a godly woman. But to be honest, I grew up in a denominational church, and so to, inside, I kind of felt uncomfortable with that. I was like, laid hands on the car? Until way later one day, Shannon, who also came from a very denominational church, said she had another issue come up. She said, "I'm gonna ask Miss Frazier to pray for me because since she laid hands on my car, I ain't had no problems." <laughs> so I'm not saying absolutely your washing machine and your car—that's not a spiritual attack. What I'm really wanting to submit to y'all today is physical calamity. I would say is a secondary uh, strategy of our enemy. I want to encourage you that his primary mode of attack, his primary way of dealing with us is mental and emotional warfare. He's more concerned about what you think. He's more concerned about what's in your heart. He's more concerned about what you believe than he is under what's underneath the hood of your car. And so I want to show you what I would call Satan's spiritual attack. Okay, I'm going to put it on the screens here. This is the way that he really wants to strategize against you. He wants to put three or four different thoughts, and there are many more, but I want to highlight these four, and those being deception, doubt, discouragement, and disbelief. There are many more, but I want you to focus on these four. Deception being, uh, for example, I'll be vulnerable. There are lots of times when God blesses me, and, and I'm surprised. I'm like, what God really heard my prayer? As if... Uh, God answering prayer is an anomaly whereas the scripture purely shows that God hearing and responding to his people that's normal Christianity and I'm kind of shocked that God actually listened to me that's kind of a deceptive thought like I wouldn't say it but I might think does God really listen to my prayers another way is discouragement maybe you're here today and, and you've been praying for something for a long time and you've had an unanswered prayer And you might think, well, am I praying, not praying enough? Am I not praying the right way? As if to believe that God answers prayer based on our spiritual performance. Maybe, again, you wouldn't say it, but maybe you might be thinking, do I really deserve to have my prayer answered? Doubt. Uh, Many times we hear testimonies like I shared earlier, and and we see other people getting their prayers answered. And what's wrong with me? I have this happen in my own house. So I talk about my wife and her godly family. And she, uh, my wife, uh, really loves and focuses on abiding. She, John 16, 17 uh, talks about abiding in Christ. And so she emphasizes that a lot. She has discipled me and our kids in abiding. And so she emphasizes hearing and responding to God. And you may have heard me preach before, and we always use the phrase unctions, okay? And so if you've been around our house, you know there's two things. If anything, if you're sick, if you got a relational conflict, if you're having a spiritual crisis, you know Mom's gonna say two things. One, drink more water. Water cures everything, and she's gonna say, "Follow the unctions." Okay? So Tanya comes home day after day. I heard the unctions. I heard the unctions. I found this. I found that. And I'm sometimes though I'm happy for her. I'm typically, God's always speaking to her. That's the enemy's tactic to kind of really deepen our heart. Do we think? Does God really love me? Does he love the, the other person? He loves them. They're getting their prayers answered. But what about me? And then there's one last one. Disbelief. I know we're kind of joking around. And, but on a serious note, I suspect that there's somebody here that you have believed God for something. You have prayed. You have asked. You brought other people involved and the direct opposite happened. And for some of you, that's very painful. Some of you are devastated by it. Some of you, uh, because of that, you've decided to give up on prayer. Some of you have given up on church. Maybe you're here physically, maybe you're watching by stream, but emotionally you have checked out of the body. And maybe some of you might even know people who've actually even checked out completely on their face. The enemy's strategy. He's more than concerned about damaging your property. He wants to get to your heart. He wants to get you to a place of disbelief where you totally check out. That's his strategy. And so that's why we need warfare prayer because warfare prayer rejects the four Ds. We don't pray from a place of discouragement. We don't pray from a place of doubt. We don't pray from a place of disbelief. We pray from a place of authority. And what that means is we pray from a place of confidence that God hears me. We pray from a place knowing that God loves me and God responds to me. Mark 16 is a great example. It says, this is a sign of those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes and won't be harmed. They uh, will drink poison and won't be harmed. Now, is Jesus calling us to be snake handlers? No, what he's saying is he wants his people to have confidence in him in their prayer life. Now, this confidence, this authority that I'm talking about, that doesn't mean you get everything you pray for. That's not what we're talking about. No, we we don't control outcomes. But when we pray, uh, when we pray warfare prayer, we know that he hears us. We know that he responds to us. And if the outcome is different than what we pray for, we have confidence that God has called us to communion with him and union with him. And we have the wisdom to understand that having more of God through prayer is actually better than actually the answer that we're looking for. That's what we mean by warfare prayer. Warfare prayer is simply God giving us the spiritual authority to stop the devil's distraction, which leads to victory and breakthrough. Okay, so let's talk about what that looks like. Let's talk about this authority that uh, God wants us to pray from. So we're going to use the word of God through uh, the book of James today, chapter 4, we're gonna read 10 verses quickly and got just a little bit of time left, but we're gonna talk about what authority looks like, okay? So uh, this first place of authority is, uh, comes from humility, okay? Humility increases our authority. Would you say that with me? Humility increases our authority, okay? We wanna pray from authority, all right? James 4 says, What's the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? It's not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask, uh, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he made to dwell in us, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We talked about conflict. Uh, We all have conflicts. We all have challenges. And if we're honest with ourselves, the real source of any conflict normally is pride. We have put ourselves in front of someone else. We put our needs above uh, another person and two people putting themselves first is a recipe for conflict, okay? My wife, Tanya, and I, I've shared, y'all have heard me share, we had lots of conflict in our early marriage. Uh, But God showed us how to humble ourselves. I can remember it like yesterday. We were having a conflict. God had convicted us and started praying together. We were praying together. An issue came up and we were sitting there right in front of our bed, And I remember God so clearly said, I want you to pray like this. Turn your palms up. And I remember me and Tanya, I remember turning my palms up. That was a breakthrough moment. That day, 27 years ago led to this day. When I turned those palms up, that was an act of humility. At that moment, I was like, okay, Tanya can be right. She can win this argument. But what happened was, God gave us a solution that neither of us thought of. Jimmy calls it the creative third option. And so, through our 29 years, we're not perfect, but I can say with authority, God has given Tanya and I grace. God has given Tanya and I friendship. God has given us power over the enemy's capacity or attempts to try to tear us from one another because we've humbled ourselves. So, I want you to just take a moment. And think about uh, where uh, you can be humble. Who are you having conflict with? God wants to give us humility to increase our authority. Okay. Secondly, the passage says that uh, intimacy increases our authority. Would you repeat that with me? Intimacy increases our authority. Okay. Let's go to verse seven and eight here. It says, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near uh, to you. Saying yes to God is the way to say no to Satan, okay? We tend to read a passage like that and we think about resisting the devil, okay? I'm gonna do right from now on. I'm gonna stop doing my evil. I'm gonna resist the devil. Ah! Good luck with that. What we really need to do is—that's why it says, "Submit to God, resist the devil." The way we do that, we say yes to Jesus. We go where He's going, and then we don't have to worry about fighting the devil. I read—I'm reading a book on a great man who said yes to God. His name was Reese Howells. Uh, he uh, was uh, grew up—I mean, was in the late uh, late 1900s, early 20th century. Uh, started uh, the Bible College of Wales. He was a man from Great Britain, started the Bible College of Wales and uh, an orphanage, did a lot of different things. Um, He uh, obeyed God. God spoke to him. He had a great prayer life. And God did great things through him. But he did it through little simple acts of obedience that created intimacy between he and God. So first it started out, uh, God told Reese House, don't wear a hat. I mean, like, like, don't wear a hat. Now he's from Great Britain. That Part of that culture was men would wear hats. Okay, so that's a, a big deal, part of their culture. So him walking around in public without a hat is kind of a, big de- kind of a big deal. It's kind of like recently, Tanya and I went to an alumni event at Baylor, and they sent the invitation, and it said... Semi formal, but I read semi and Tanya said, What's the dress? I said, and I read the word semi and I said, Oh, business casual. And so Tanya puts on a pantsuit and we walk in, and all the ladies got on fancy dressings. But I, sorry, babe. (laughs) 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 The point I'm trying to get at is. Reese Howell's not wearing a hat kind of created that kind of awkward people kind of looking at you funny, like, did you get the memo? Uh, you know, <laughs> that's what, but that's not, I mean, that's not life share. That's not, that's not giving your whole life away. I mean, no wear a hat. Just a simple act of obedience. So he was talking, oh, well, this is embarrassing. His mom was, the women in the social circles was embarrassing his mother. But God said to him, can't you trust me? So he said, okay, so it just started this intimate dialogue between Reese Hall and God. He went on to, later on, he was going on a train trip, standing in a long line to get his tickets, and God said, give your money for the ticket to somebody else. He said, well, God, how am I going to get there? He said, can't you just trust me? So he gives the money. away. by the time he gets up for his ticket, somebody gives him the money. Then he loves his wife. He's taking his wife out to really fancy dinners. I guess I owe Tanya a fancy dinner for the social snafu, so... He takes his wife to these fancy restaurants with no money. They eat this fancy meal, but before the ticket comes, somebody gives him money. So he would just obey God in these simple little things. And after he would obey God, he would obey God, he would obey God, he would obey God. Then all of a sudden, God started telling him, I now I want you to pray for this. See, what happened, the, um, the obedience created intimacy between Reese and God. Like They were almost like friends. They would just talk back and forth, just like you would with a friend, And he said, Oh, there's a guy on drugs. Pray for him. And he prayed for him and bam, off drugs. He said, There's a person, that person's not safe. Pray for them. Bam. What happened was he got so intimate with God, everything God said to him happened. It got to the point he went to Africa to be a missionary. Literally, tens of thousands of Africans are credited with salvation coming from his ministry. But it all started out with just little simple acts of obedience. Don't wear a hat give this money, go to dinner, pray for salvation, and now believe me for a whole continent. God wants us just to have intimacy with him through just a simple act of obedience. So we're going to practice right now. I just want you to ask God, God what's one simple act of obedience I could do today that would create intimacy between you and I? Okay, God wants to, He's not going to ask you to save the whole world just just one little act of obedience let's let's pray that right now jesus just give us one simple act of obedience that creates intimacy between us Thank you, God, that you speak to us. Give us grace to respond in obedience, in Jesus' name. So our humility, if we humble ourselves, that creates authority when we pray. If we will be intimate with God, and intimacy comes through acts of obedience, if we will just simply obey, that creates intimacy in our relationship, which increases your authority. One one last thought. Let's go back to the passage one more time. This is verses uh, 8 again through 10. It says here, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Okay? Repentance also increases our authority. Would you say that with me? Repentance increases our authority. The best way to fix the world's problems is to admit our part in it. The best way to fix the world's problem is to, fix, is to admit our part in it. Everybody can say, and I've heard people say, what's wrong with the world is, and, and everybody in here probably could finish that sentence in their own way. And most of our answer would include some other person, some other group, some other thought. That's what's wrong with the world. Okay. Um, Uh, About last month, we had an event here at the church called Come Together. We have that about once or twice a year where we get in circles and we uh, talk about uh, issues of race and culture and all these different issues and we talk. And this year we had Clarence Hill from Antioch Norman come and he's published a beautiful tool called the Dream Clock. You'll see it out in our bookstore. powerful tool because it helps you talk about these difficult issues and it gives you just easy, simple language that doesn't confuse people, doesn't get people defensive. It's just beautiful. Best tool I've ever seen. really encourage you to get that. So, but anyway, he's presenting this dream clock to us. Uh, and uh, in this, he taught us this concept called us versus them. Okay? And us is, or it also calls it our palace crowd, is those that are like us, think like us, act like us, grew up like us. And, and we tend to easily get around our us's. And then we finish the sentence I said earlier with them. What's wrong with the world is them. But the dream clock teaches you and shows you how that you could actually take them and bring them into your group. Uh, not for agreement with them, but actually for the glory of God, because he said in John 17, when they become one, then the world will know. And so when the people of God can take the thems of their lives and still have relationship with them versus separate and be divided from them, Jesus actually is lifted up and more people come to him. So God is using that powerfully, but it takes a sense of repentance. It takes a sense of, okay, not you're the problem, but God, show me where I might be the problem. God wants us to pray from a place of authority. That comes from us humbling ourselves. That comes uh, from us being obedient to God, which creates intimacy in our lives and in our relationship with him. And that comes when we're willing to be repentant, when we're willing to be mournful, when we're willing to look at ourselves versus other people. Reese Howell that I mentioned earlier, like I said, I mentioned how he uh, did these things, but it started with little acts of obedience. Something else that he's known for is his involvement in World War II. Now, that sounds a little surprising for a missionary. And if you read any history books, you probably won't see his name. But in the English world, in Christian circles, during that time period, lots of people would know his influence because he was a man of prayer. God called him. First, he told him all these little things, wear the hat, go to dinner, ride the train, then he starts saying, Pray for salvation, pray for salvation. And then he said, God told him this phrase, every creature. He was believing God for every person on the planet to be saved. And in response to that, kind of World War II started. And so, him and this Bible college, he started, they all started praying prayers into that. And they prayed that during World War II, Hitler was uh, invading every uh, European nation, Denmark and. Uh, Every place, Scandinavia, every place, every nation, Hitler was just on the move. But uh, Howells and his students prayed, oh God, bend Hitler. And they would pray that day and night, oh God, bend Hitler. And maybe to some it could be a coincidence, though Hitler attacked all these different nations Throughout the European world, there was one nation he didn't attack. And that was in Wales, where this school, that was the one place he didn't attack. And actually, all of Hitler's advisors encouraged him to attack Great Britain because they were so weak. They were in an economic depression. Their military was in shambles. Uh, The Germans could have just walked in and took it. But for some reason, Hitler decided not to take this one nation. Of all the nations in Europe, he didn't attack this one place. But I believe that God had intimacy with this man and he heard these people's cries. God has called us to be a house of prayer. God has called us to be people who will humble ourselves. God has called us to be people who are intimate with him. God has called us to be a repentant people so that we, not for our own benefit, so that we can become people who pray with authority to see the purpose and plans accomplished in the earth. Let's stand together. I want to give us an opportunity to respond to this call to prayer. Uh, maybe uh, you have seen or sensed places of humility in your life. If our prayer teams would come down to the altar and be ready to pray. And one of the ways you deal with that is that you admit that, 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 that repentance I was referring to. You, you confess that, you, you let them know, uh, let God know acknowledging the pride, whatever it may be. Uh, Maybe uh, you heard God speak when we prayed about that act of obedience. Maybe it was something simple. Maybe it was something challenging, but uh, maybe you need that prayer of agreement with someone. One of the best things you could do, if God spoke to you during that time we prayed, the best thing you could do is say that out loud to somebody. Don't just walk out with it in your mind because uh, life's going to hit you as soon as you get out those doors and you might forget or might get busy or might get distracted or might chicken out. It'd be great for you to come down here and say, hey, this is what I heard God say to me and this is my response. Or maybe you do need an act of repentance. Maybe you need to confess something, pride or whatever it may be. Or maybe you're here today and and you were brokenhearted, like I mentioned earlier. Maybe you came today carrying a wound. Or maybe you came today with some other issue going on in your life that I didn't speak to. But I want you to have a sense of confidence today. I want you to have a sense of authority that God sees you. God hears you. God knows what you brought in here today. And he wants you to come and he wants to respond to you. Maybe you're here and, and you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you haven't even started that relationship with him yet. Today, you can come down and share with one of these people. They will be happy to talk with you about what that might look like. So if you want to respond in humility, if you want to respond in obedience, if you want to respond in repentance, or you have some other response, I want to invite you to come now. God bless you.